hey, did you know that you can get extra DuckFeed content by, well, I mean, A, doing our Patreon, but we talk about that all the time. Uh, no, but the other way you can do it is by going to duckfeed.tv slash store. We have an entire digital store with um, lots of extra episodes of Abject Suffering, um, of our bonus show, uh, Adaptation Decay, about different uh, media's attempts to adapt games. Uh, we even have our Diggity Duck bundles, which have extra episodes of this show particularly about Effect Xanadu and Pac-Man 2. All of that is at duckfeed.tv slash store. Super easy to use, and there's tons of stuff that you probably haven't heard. Thanks. Bye. No, wait. Don't leave. That bye was wrong. Okay. Thanks. Hi. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are reading your responses to the games we covered in August here in 2018, talking about God of War and Nier. Mm-hmm. The, 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 twin, the twin tapping jewels. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, um, we're recording this in the same session that we're recording in Abject Suffering. And if we had done that game for Watch Out for Fireballs mm-hmm. after these two... Um, I would, I wouldn't be here today. No, no. You, I, I think that would, that would have done me in. I yeah, might've been done. You, you, you would have gone to work on a crabbing rig. Yeah. Um, yep. I yeah. Would have, it would have been in time for Rory, Rory Bellows to have a surprisingly <laughs> large life insurance, um, <laughs> policy. So that would have been it for me. Look at him. Look at the way he's flying that plane. He's very happy. He's laughing. Yeah. Oh, oh yep. no. <laughs> yeah. That would have been me with the, the end of me and my life and, and you know, my half of the show. So <laughs> glad, glad it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, and we're doing these in a different order. We covered near first, but because there are some spoiler things, we're going to actually read the God of war responses, uh, first. So if you're sensitive to near spoilers, uh, you can listen to the first half and then duck out. Yeah. Um, and I will get us started here with Warren who says about God of war. Um, I was, su- what, what's that? God of Warren. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know Warren. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if I, I if I want to give him that much power. Honestly, yeah, so that's true. Yeah, uh, Warren says I was super excited to hear that you guys were covering God of War, from starting the game by killing one of the most well known creatures in Greek mythology to finally exacting your revenge on Ares. It never fails to make you feel like a badass. Aside from having to tiptoe across beams so you don't fall to your death. To prepare for the new game to come out, I played through all of the games and was pleasantly surprised at how well this held up for me. Uh, The combat was so smooth and responsive for something that came out in 2005. The worst parts of the game are the traversal puzzles. Having to tiptoe across beams feels completely out of character for Kratos and the segments above the Hades statue and the underworld trying to jump to and from spinning platforms are pure torture. In spite of these issues and some samey enemy design, this is still one of my favorite games from the era, and it laid the groundwork for an incredibly fun series. I hope to hear you guys cover the 2018 game in the future. Yeah, crazier yeah. things have happened. Crazier things have happened. Like, it is really interesting. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if we never do it. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I had a, a kind of a, a different experience with this. Like, I actually like the way that those things break up mm-hmm. the game quite a bit. Um you know, and, and they didn't really bother me like the the spinning some of the actual specific platforming in Hades is a pain in the dick. But like the platform and puzzle stuff generally, like specifically traversal puzzles other than like that mean tower yeah. and the room with the uh, the buzz saws, I was like pretty into. Yeah, so. I'm I, I, I am not against them in, uh, in, in in principle. It was just some of the, specifically some of the balance stuff that just didn't work for me. Not that yeah. it made it, again, not that it made it difficult, but I felt that it was uh, uh, just a, a bad thing for pacing, whereas the other jumpy stuff was good. Yeah. 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 I, I like how this broke up pacing generally. Yeah. But yeah, it does. It doesn't like it. We, we talked about a lot of ways. This does feel really modern, like the Dodge and the camera and a lot of things about it um, mm. do hold up surprisingly well. Yeah. 
would agree about that. And like, I'm not in no hurry to do it. And free time is an illusion, but like, I like the idea of going back to two as well, which I just remember being better in in most ways. Yeah. I, sure. in editing the main episode and putting together these notes, I'm like, ah, God of War two isn't going to be that long. No, no, it'll be real short. <laughs> I think you should play 2018 first though. Yes. Yeah. Like, cause it's, it's legitimately like, you know, again, like that game, you know, is overrated only by virtue of the fact that it got tons of 100 percents. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's a real good game. Yeah, yeah. So. The 2018 would be more essential than two at this point right now. I, yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks, Warren. Uh, moving on to Paul. Uh, Paul says via contact. It's irrefutable to me that God of War is sophomoric, sexist, edgelord, power fantasy calibrated precisely to the adolescent boy's mind. But man. Does it work for me in ways that other games in that mold do not? I can't put my finger on why this is the case, but I have a couple of theories. Firstly, the clearly Conan-inspired swords and sorcery heavy metal uh, motif feels more innocent and less troubling to me than other violent power fantasies. It feels more like the long hairs at id adapting their high school notebook demon doodles uh, to their game than whatever the ghouls behind hatred were thinking. Look at the skyline of perpetually raining bodies in Hades and tell me I'm wrong. We're meant to enjoy temporarily inhabit inhabiting Kratos the way we do Cain from Blood Omen. Just replace delicious evil with raw, raw barbarism. Secondly, the actual feel of the combat succeeds in making you feel like a barbarian rage elemental. QTEs or not, the finishing moves all feel great, owed in no small part to God of War's stellar sound design, which really shines with a beef with beefy speakers set up. Uh... With a good subwoofer, every hit accompanied by one of Kratos' grunts or yells hits you right in the ribs. Thirdly, it just plays great. With the difficulty turned to hard or very hard, the combat begins to demand real precision in positioning, blocking, and dodging. With those fucking garbage Cerebus, uh, Cerebus puppies accepted, enemies have predictable tells and reward mastery. I'm not the most representative opinion on the matter, as I've never been a fan of Platinum's character action games, but God of War really works for me in ways that Devil May Cry does not. Part of it is the visceral game feel that I described before, but God of War did more to encourage me to master it, since I was never mocked with a D rating after barely scraping by a monstrous encounter at the highest difficulty setting. In fact, once I beat the game at its hardest setting, the credits told me to call a 1-800 number, where Kratos himself congratulated me on my perseverance before arguing with David Jaffe for a minute, which really gets back to my first point that the game ultimately comes from the right place. Um, I meant to ma actually mention that that 800 number. I did um, not like, know about the 800 number. <laughs> the all the special features in this are pretty interesting. I mentioned during the last uh, episode, like the thing, the gallery of unused monster designs and the uh, Kratos origins. Mm -hmm. um, but there's there's just like a whole host of that kind of stuff. And there's there's two phone numbers actually. There's the one for um, beating the game, and then there's one that you get, I believe, for destroying the two statues that are set up in your uh, your throne room at the end. Okay. Which don't seem like they're destructible. You had to kind of beat on them for five minutes huh. or so. Um, I didn't do this. I read about it later. <laughs> um, and then you get a, you can get a phone number for that as well. Nice. Um, that you can call and get these little Easter eggs, but like, that's very quaint, you know, and, and, and very cute. Reminds me of uh, vector man for the Genesis, at least in the edition that I got, it came with like a, uh, like a sweepstakes. You, mm. if you, if you beat it, if you got to the end, it would give you a screen to take a, to take a picture of and, uh, mail in so you could win a trip to like universal studios or something. I might be confusing that with winning double dare. Um, <laughs> well, ton, tons of games did that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was like very, very common actually. Yeah. Yeah. I have a little, so uh, so, sword quest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sword, sword quest was the first, but even mm -hmm. the, even Genesis era, like there's a bunch of games that had that kind of stuff. Uh, just very quaint and from a different time. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I, I'm mostly on, on board with this stuff. Like some of the, the barbarism, I feel like um, and this is probably something that happens in the sequel too. like, I do think that there is like a well of charisma that is not in Kratos. Like there's a very like Conan, I think, is more charismatic, even though even when he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger and is just like a terrible, silent, bad actor. Yep. Like Kratos doesn't make make jokes like he doesn't really do anything other than growl and, and open up people's heads like eggs. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I think that if he was a little bit more charismatic, I think I would get a, a little bit more of what Paul's talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. As is, like I, I definitely see it. And the thing I, I like or saw this the most is I also like just trying to get past an encounter rather than getting a fucking grade at the end. Yes. Like I do not. I don't like that either. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't put me off those games, but I think it's stupid. <laughs> like <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. Yeah. And not, not the kind of feedback that I want. I, would, I want the feedback through play. 
Yeah. It's the same way that I like to play rock band, just trying to get through hard songs. I don't want to, you know, get the highest score. Yeah. I want to sound you know? cool. I want to feel cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want to sound cool and feel cool. I don't want to get a, a point yes. total at the end. Like that is a weirdly dated thing that has been brought forward into like character action games for, for some reason or another that I don't like totally understand. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick writes via contact, God of War felt like a moment where games were suddenly big in a way that they had never been before. Placing a huge boss battle at the very beginning is a stroke of genius that got a little less effective in every entry. For me, God of War will always be the moment where hyper-violent media left a bad taste in my mouth. I am totally down for the Greek mythology and the beat-em-up kinetic gameplay, but I remember one scene in particular where, to solve a puzzle, you must push a cage holding a person to a spot where you burn them alive to open a door. I get it. I get it. He must forgo his humanity if he wishes to ascend to the form of a deity. Uh, but still, it feels gross. Ever since then, I find myself bouncing off of media from Game of Thrones to Westworld. Uh, I wish I didn't find it so unappealing. Uh, I know I'm missing out on some amazing content, uh, but them's the breaks, I guess. Uh, I would never hold anyone else's tastes against them. Some of my best friends watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, it's good uh, to have a diverse friend group uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would never hold anyone's taste against them uh but this was the game that made me realize that particular fact about myself i do remember really enjoying the one for the psp which was an amazing handheld experience that wouldn't be matched for me until i got a switch yeah i the the difference, like for me, like and I'm not doing this to stand for Game of Thrones or Westworld, both uh -huh. shows that I watch and think, you know, with reservations, right? Right, like, right. But like Kratos doesn't struggle with that decision. So so like when Nick says like I get it, he has to give up his humanity to get this thing. There's no struggle, right? Like he just says like his humanity is already gone. Like they portray him as an asshole, and like these better media's that deal with those same themes. Again, not trying to convince you to watch them, but like the difference between say like a game of thrones or a Westworld or like a thousand other things that actually do this way better mm -hmm. is that there's stakes and somebody actually has to gradually give something up to change or like breaking bad. Yeah. Right. Like, like that's a much better show than both of those other shows. And like Walter White slowly loses his humanity uh, because of his pride and everything like that. But it's a gradual organic shift. Kratos just didn't have it. Like Kratos was just like a huge asshole. For some reason, his wife liked him. Uh, the, the, who knows, right? And then uh, decided to make a deal with the devil and continue to be a huge, huge, huge fucking asshole. Like, there's nothing to suggest that pushing a guy into the flames or climbing up a guy to get out of hell or anything like that is a sea change or is a moral breaking point. Yeah. You know, he's just always been a shit. <laughs> and, it's, and it's very strange that they are kind of offloading the... Away, the weight of that decision entirely onto the player. Um, and yes. it feels like you're complicit in something because the game is saying, oh my gosh, this is cool. You're going to do this. You're going to go kill. You're going to go do more stuff. And I'm I just like, I I am made to feel bad for wanting to be a killjoy and stop this and say, no, like, is there a, is there a way around this? Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like of a different time. Yeah. yeah like that, just, that part specifically feels like, uh, like death race 2000 or whatever. Yeah. You know, like yeah. what if you were just running down people? <laughs> you know, to, like like the, in high school when you're you're driving and like an old lady's crossing the street, and you say like ten points. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. That's the the kind of bad nihilism. And it's it, it, to to Paul's point earlier, like it is a specific kind of nihilism that is more basic than like hatreds or postal. Mm -hmm. Like postal is much more. It's not just like ten points. It's like you know these people made me wait in line at the grocery store, so I have to pee on them and set them on fire. Like it's, right, it's very specific like individual this is just like it's this very basic thing that is so uncomplicated <laughs> so so i think there is a line between that and more kind of complicated uh stories with with horrific acts and it's also okay just for the horrific act itself to be enough to like bother anybody right yeah yeah everybody's so, everybody has a has a different stomach right yeah yep can has like a different level of sensitivity for that so i'm not definitely not criticizing nick in that i just mean that like i think that the difference between those things like i can see somebody being turned off to the point of of not experiencing it for one and not the other yeah because they're they're pretty different well, the difference is gratuity versus whether or the not character. they earned it yeah yeah like it's like like one advances character and plot and one of them doesn't right like kratos for all the changes he goes through in the first game is incredibly static mm -hmm. 
you know, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the reboot like got so much attention is because he's not right. You know, like he changes throughout the story and like that makes one of the, you know, and again, accidental theme month is another weird thing that makes this an interesting game to peer pair with near is near is also a story with static characters. Yes. Like the, the difference between a static character uh, story and a, and a story with dynamic characters. Yeah. Um, I actually watched like really in, uh, recently watched a, like a YouTube essayist. Um, it might've been like lessons from the screenplay. Which is a good YouTube channel. Uh, and he was talking about uh, the Paddington two movie. <laughs> okay. You know, the, the, the Paddington bear, which is the highest Rotten Tomatoes store score. Uh, of any movie is what? Paddington Two. What? Yep. Like you wouldn't think so, but oh. they're really, they're really, like, there's like really, really well loved movies. Okay, I I remember the first one being like, oh, this is surprisingly good, but that you know, for a sequel, um, <laughs> and also to be the top, that's strange. How did that it's happen? Super strange. Yeah. Uh, just because I mean, it's apparently they're pretty good. Okay. You know, they're like really good children's <laughs> movies. I haven't watched them either, but um, his point was he was talking about stories where characters don't change because he's like, you know, this is a well loved movie, but Paddington doesn't change. Like he starts out really decent, and and uh, is starts out decent and stays decent. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he talks about um, an interesting concept with that because I, I in my head whenever I'm. When I when I came to the realization that characters in Nier don't change, I expected people to be mad at me about it because it's about Nier. Yeah. And uh, I was like someone to be like, well, that doesn't make it a bad story. And it doesn't. But something he pointed out that I was I'm glad that because it was something that was at the back of my mind. I'm glad he put his finger on is in stories where the characters don't change. The world around them has to change. Yeah. So like you can do Paddington and have him be kind of, you know, kindness and light. And everyone around him is a cynical asshole. And then by the end of the movie, people have come around to Paddington's side. Mm-hmm. But somebody has to fucking change. And in God of War and Near, nothing changes. Like <laughs> okay. it is a static world and static characters. Yeah. You know, nothing. It's not a story. Yeah. You know, it just it's it's what if some characters existed and there were some set pieces. Yeah. They're just what if what if there were some facts and then you learn more facts later. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're they're almost like they're encyclopedic. Yeah. You know, it's like you're reading a, a, a source book. <laughs> them like it's the it's the opening chapters of a source book where they talk about what happened before the story <laughs> you know yeah. um so yeah like it is uh i think that's part of what the reason why kratos being the kind of violent asshole that he is in that specific way like the sadism and an uncaring kind of pragmatism like why it feels specifically shallow and kind of dumb you know yeah and uh, you know i think that something that changes between all of this is again a comparison to doom 2016 right mm-hmm. i think that kratos specifically starts triggering a bunch of those buttons because he is killing humans um and, mm-hmm. and some of this it is a person who is begging for his life um whereas when he is killing just monsters uh that doesn't like trip me up or you know leave a bad taste in my mouth as regards any of this even aside from the the static character kind of portion of this right right you, you know dune 2016 you are just killing monsters in the most charismatic way possible it's not just violence yeah like context is what it, it's not just a, a section of violence it's like it's torture yeah right like the the person who is set on fire like being set on fire is probably pretty akin to torture but even if it wasn't the act of being dragged to it and knowing what has happened was going to happen to you from somebody who doesn't care is torture yeah you know, and that's that's the difference. Like Doom Guy isn't going to torture just a normal ass person, right? You know, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences. I, I guess that like all of that comes to it. I'm not accusing Nick of this, but I think that there is a danger. And again, Nick's not doing this of painting violence with an extremely crude brush, right? Right, and just being like violence is bad in games. And it's like, well, not not really. Like right. violence is, <laughs> you know. There's tons of places in, you know, that is such an elemental part of a lot of great art mm-hmm. to just kind of throw it out that with that much bathwater. Like, I feel like you're going to get some baby in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Like there are, there are things that if you drill down that you actually don't like, yeah, it's not just violence. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is just expedience in communication, obliterating nuance. You yeah, know. I mean, so, sometimes it is, yeah. but people act on it too. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, they they, like, they, uh, they they take it as a as a tautology. Yeah, because it's like it, it's expedience, but then also, you know, there when when a game comes out that is not violent, like it kind of gets a lot of being lauded just for that, as right. opposed to being lauded for lacking these other things, like mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, yeah. 
Interesting <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, though <laughs> I couldn't resist putting in this late sins response, even though we have plenty of, res- of responses already. Uh, I forgot to put in the, uh, the 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 name here, Gary. This is Gavin who wrote in with the oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, this this is uh this, this is me. This is you. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So Gavin says about the Sims. Thanks everybody for writing in. Mm-hmm. Uh. Gavin says my Sims Two town was full of eight person households living on lots empty aside from a telephone. <laughs> it didn't matter if there were no beds, refrigerators, or income. As establishing the family, then switching to another house would lock in their initial good moods. <laughs> it was better not to get them jobs so they'd be available to hang out with your real family. <laughs> when filling the neighborhood with friendly NPCs, one household included two men with. With black pants, white shirts, and ties. New houses always had a few neighbors uh, arrive to greet you. The game decided that uh, decided that of dozens of the neighbors, the two guys in white shirts and black pants would always be the first to arrive and ring the doorbell for any new arrivals, making it seem like I had purchased a Utah expansion. <laughs> well, you'd made Animal Crossing. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, man, I accidentally made Animal Crossing. It happened again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's very cute. <laughs> very good. I like that quite a bit. Thank you, thank you, Gavin. <laughs> Moving on to the near responses. Uh, Sam says via contact, people saying you guys need to cover near automata for the show are cowards. You guys need to cover <laughs> Drakengard Three, the weird game that came out between the near games that was farmed out to the programmers behind Deadly Premonition. <laughs> Well, Sam, kindly go fuck yourself. (laughs) No, I I know Sam is kidding. I do not want Sam to go fuck himself. I like Sam. Yes. In all seriousness, if you don't like playing Yoko Taro games but think they are interesting, there are some very good Let's Plays of all of them on LPArchive.org, originally done by the Dark Id on the Something Awful Let's Play board. Even as someone who's all about playing boring, repetitive games for a couple of hours of cool shit, they're invaluable because fuck doing all the side quests or grinding up weapons for crazy stories. I actually uh, look through a little bit of the Dark Ed's Drakengard 3 thing. Oh, yeah. Like I read the Wikipedia on it and kind of read a synopsis of it and started going through it, but I got bored. Yeah. Uh, even even experiencing it vicariously. <laughs> even um, experiencing it via screenshot. Yeah, even via screenshot. Like, And, and the guy's like a fine writer and stuff. Like yeah, I'm not... Yeah telling tales out of school like i like you know he seems mm-hmm. great yeah and if i ever feel like man i really want to do this but i i would pile like a deep dive even on screenshots and wikipedia's on yoko taro's other work in the i need to forgive him first pile with automata yeah yeah like i just i just don't like him right now so mm-hmm. i need to i need to like him again yeah we're broken up for 10 months so thank you thank you sam um elodie says via contact Near might be trash, but it is my trash. I actually only played it recently after playing Automata. And despite how much I loved Automata, both as a game and as a story, it just can't fit into the same place as my heart filled by the first game's seminal cast of lovable misfits. There's a lot I could say, but I'm going to focus on one thing that most personally appeals to me. The diverse representation of sexuality and gender in such a small cast of main characters. Emile is an apocalyptically powerful skeleton creature who is also a scared gay kid struggling to come to terms with his grief and self-image. Nier would do anything for Yona, and as such is, in Nier Replicant at least, an ex-sex worker and abuse survivor who never loses his compassion. And most of all, there's Kane, who is explicitly an intersex trans woman whose life has been deeply affected by this fact. I remember when I first learned about this and how amazed and validated I felt learning that my favorite character was someone like me, and I think that that's the importance of representation in media. It's affected me enough to make me spring for the inordinately expensive Kane action figure Square is releasing next month. Hmm. I did not know that about the uh, near in the Replicant version. Yes. Yeah, it just didn't come up because we didn't talk an awful lot about Replicant, but yeah, young near at least in the past to kind of demonstrate what he, the lengths that he has gone to, to support his sister, to support Yona. Um, he, he, he did um, um, prostitute himself out. I was trying to think of the most proper word for that. But yeah, he did engage in sex work in order to uh, make ends meet. I wonder why, um, like, there's there's not a lot of that back. Like, I wonder what that guy replaced with. Because Nier Gestalt doesn't, like, there's not a whole lot of, about his past at all other than, like, had wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's a uh, we don't learn a lot about what he had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wonder what uh, I wonder what that is. I don't know. Yeah, um, odd uh, odd choice. Yeah, no, but I think uh, Elodie put it very well. Yeah, representation, yeah. representation super important. You plus, know, and, plus. and and 
or sorry. No, I said sorry. representation plus plus is all I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cut you off because you just said plus twice. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say plus something else. Nope. Uh, but you, you got into new speak. Yes. The uh, double plus good <laughs> representation. Like the, the same thing, you know, I said it in the, the episode, like the the realization that like, like I didn't in the text, Emil did not come off as gay to me mm-hmm. and realizing that doesn't actually matter at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, who gives a shit? Like it, it doesn't have to, like it's still there and it's, it's, you know, I would never take that away from somebody. Yeah. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah that's great. Mm-hmm. And it is. I also think the cast is the, like by far the strongest part of that game. 100%. You know? and, yeah. and would agree. Even, even if some of those things didn't speak to me the same way, mm-hmm. like I, I also think even those things aside, like it is an, obviously those things are important. I'm not saying this instead of that. I'm saying in addition, if if you're listening to this and you are and you're skeptic and you are just like, I, I don't want a game that's going to like, you know, be about those things. It isn't. No, like they're, no. they're just wonder. That's one of the other things that it, it brings that it does so well is that like none of the characters feel like the representation is token esque. like they're they're really, really well sketched characters that function on their own. You know, they're not reduced to like a representational aspect. Yeah. Um, The, (laughs) all of them, um, at least let's say Kaine and Emil, you know, you may not realize by playing it what, what, what they're kind of working with, but the struggles that they go through throughout the game happen to coincide with that or are kind of like different expressions of the struggle that they were kind of always carrying around, you know? So Mm -hmm. they, they amplify each other more than anything. or like 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 can be, which is yeah. like the interesting thing is like yeah that's there's, the, like, that's yeah. what I mean right oh. yeah like it is uh you know so if if you know that it is additive if you mm-hmm. don't know it doesn't take you know, away because there's still a struggle like yeah. yeah exactly it doesn't it doesn't take away like it's really elegant and that's what a three dimensional character that has you know uh, uh, uh you know an oppressed person like representation in them is mm-hmm. is it doesn't you know they don't feel like they're reduced to the thing it doesn't feel like they're about that because mm-hmm. like when you you know one of the things that like when you meet people who, who are, who are trans or gay or anything, like if you've never met them before, like if you're, if you're listening to this and you grew up in like a small town or something like, like I did, like they're not about that. No, no. You know, it's not like, like the trans people I know. Oh, like are, are constantly, you know, I think that that's like a, a bigot, a bigot's idea of, of people who, you know, who have kind of these, these strong, like alternative identities, mm-hmm. you know, or have like people who from oppressed groups mm-hmm. think that, uh, they are just a hundred percent on about it all the time. Yeah. But actually yeah. they're just, they're just people, <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're just people like you or like anybody. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing that is a struggle in fiction a lot of the times mm-hmm. to do. And that's something this game does really well. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't treat Kaide or Emil as novelties because of that. Yes. The file card about them you know, you have to go several bullet points down before you get to that that thing that is still fundamental about them. But, you know, uh, there is other stuff that is kind of more pressing in the moment as part of the story. Right. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, like, because they're, they're dealing, you know, they, like one of them is a skeleton, skeleton boy, <laughs> turned into a skeleton boy. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not a story like it's it's really not a story about like his identity it's he is a character who has the identity experiencing this other story mm-hmm. it comes through because it's a big part of him yep you know but like it, it's i think this is a really really good game if only it were playable to show <laughs> to like to, to like bigots or people who think like oh you know the sjws are just going to shove you know these characters down our face mm-hmm. and like no there's actually a good way to do it where they don't do that mm-hmm you know, yeah. uh, the game yeah. is just fucking unplayable. So like, unfortunately, <laughs> so it's a bad... it doesn't serve as that example. So, yeah. but try again, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there's ever, maybe you'll get it, you know, a few times down the road. <laughs> um, thank you, Elodie. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, Alessio writes in via contact saying this game quite literally started out as a schoolyard or college quad rumor for me. Overhearing a friend describe the game once I was quite taken with yeah, you're defending your daughter from monsters, and then the plot jumps ahead a few centuries. It was hell to find a copy of my small town, so instead I took to the internet to do more research. I think I built the thing up too much. Uh, or, sorry, I think I built the thing up quite a bit uh, because when I eventually got a copy for myself a few years later, I wasn't really impressed. However, I came back around. 
It was something about how the music, the characters, the stilted approximations of cities and people, and the overall atmosphere all came together. I agree with everything you guys have complained about on paper, but seeing it all meshed together made it more special than the constituent parts, I felt. Spacing out my ending playthroughs with a good chunk of time made it feel less grindy, too. Overall, I became a great fan of these characters, almost like watching the uh, the cast of a good show uh, during a particular, particularly lazy summer between school semesters. So much so that I ordered a physical copy of the Japanese Grimoire Near art book just to keep around and remind me of this flawed gem of a story. Thanks for taking the time to cover this quirky action RPG. It's great to hear more people talk about it. Uh, quick question. If you had to guess what a sequel for this would look like, would you have guessed gothic <laughs> gothic Lolita real, real dolls battling chibi Lego robos? Caught me way the hell off guard. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what a sequel would, would have been for it. <laughs> would have been. Fashion is yeah. on point in Automata. That is another thing I will say in its favor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all all good points. Like this doesn't, you know, it does not hang together for me. But the individual parts that that Elysio says are good, I mostly think are good. Yes. I don't get anything from the cities. I think that they look bad yeah. and don't feel good. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think generally, like those are all good things about it. Yeah, uh, uh, Alessio is the second person in a row to kind of say the same thing, and it was a pretty common a pretty common response, even, even among, you know, the, the ones, the, the responses that we couldn't get to, uh, LED summed it up pretty well as well. Near might be trash, but it's my trash. Um, I yeah. think, I don't know, person, personally, every person kind of like, kind of has one of those things. It's just kind of like, Hey, just let, let me have this. You don't have to like it. I, I just, I know it's bad, but I still, for some reason, like it. I have those. We have those. It's just a matter of like, Oh, when we're talking about it, that is bad criticism on a show. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like that, that's, that's, that's for like, like a, a, a fan down, Yeah, yeah. you know, like that, that's like, that's like, just like for a, for a fan off is yeah. what that, that's. And there's, there's, and there's thousands of those things out there too. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if, if for a show, like if, if, if you just, if you want to hear someone just like gush about stuff they like, mm -hmm. like there, there's a, a website um, that started out called youtube.com. <laughs> that, that's like mostly that you know like most of the criticism on youtube is just like oh my god this is so fucking cool yeah yeah you know and that's like you know that's fine there's like a place for that mm -hmm. you know and like if i think about like what my trash is it's probably like troika games or something like that right like yeah. somebody's gonna play bloodlines and have the same same level of vitriol for it mm -hmm. you know they're just like different sensitivities yeah yeah you know to, to that stuff so um yeah so th thanks alicia uh, Garrett says by contact, a quick anecdote during the first visit to facade, I made it to the temple and was working my way through the different puzzle rooms. My 10 month old daughter was on the ground in the floor, uh, uh, in the room with me for the most, and was for the most part keeping to her own devices well enough. I had finished about five rooms in the temple when the screen goes black. I looked down and see my sweet little girl looking back up at me with a deathly serious face and wide eyes, almost as if she had realized her own mess up. She'd unplugged the system. After placing an empty cooler in front of the entertainment center and getting a few more toys out, I was forced to slowly, arduously escort Freya back through the desert a second time. And who says having kids isn't rewarding? <laughs> I keep I, like I've got a kitten right now napping behind my subwoofer. Mm -hmm. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking about that, too, like some way to like what is the way to stop him from getting under my desk at all, but still letting my legs go under there. Right. And I don't know what to do about it. Um, maybe get one of those, uh, kind of, oh gosh, the computer chair mats for carpet and then put it upside down under there. So we won't walk on little spikes. Oh, it's like little spikes. Yeah. Yeah. Little spikes might work. Yeah. Like, or they make, um, like sticky, like sticky tack stuff. Oh yeah. Like double-sided tape kind of stuff. Yeah. That yeah. might work too. Like yeah. he likes it down there and I like when he's just chilling, like he went to sleep, but if he's just chilling, like he just likes to be in the same room as me, which I think is sweet. Uh-huh. Like, you know, if he's just sleeping. So I don't want to necessarily stop him. I just need him not to bite cords. Yes. Yeah. You, you, need, you need him not to bite cords and you need your cords not to have bitter apple spray on them. Yes. Yeah. And I need to not like lose progress or have my cat get electrocuted. Yes. You know, like there's many reasons. Why not? Yeah. That's around when I lost progress in that part too. Oh, weird. I had to start. Well, I mean, I had to, I had to leave and come back, but I effectively lost progress because I, uh, didn't stock up on healing items. Yeah, you still you still had to do bad stuff twice. 
Yeah. 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 Jared writes via contact. Thank you, Garrett. Um, Jared didn't say that. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Uh, Jared writes, I'm really glad you guys tackled Nier. It's strange. This is, one of my, this is one of my favorite games of all time, but I agree with every criticism made by you two. There are so many medi- mediocre or downright bad elements to this game, but for me, the excellent stories, character, and soundtrack managed to create a transcendent experience where I completely forgot about the flaws until this discussion brought them back into my memory. I came into Nier... Uh, with a perfect storm of no information and no expectations. Thank you, GameStop. Buy one, get one free basket. So maybe that's why I was so captured by it. Several other games, namely Final Fantasy X and Lost Odyssey, have brought me to tears. But Nier resonated with me emotionally in a way that no game has and maybe never will again. The out-of-game lore has captured me in a way that only Dark Souls has before, uh, and I have spent more time than I would care to admit watching lore videos and reading excerpts of the grimoires. Vati Vidya Nier prepared to grind videos, please. Uh, Nier is my favorite game I would almost never recommend to anyone. Uh, there are many better made games, and many that are objectively superior in mechanics and design, including its lauded sequel. But still, Nier holds a very special place in my heart, and I am so glad I experienced it the way that I did at the time of my life that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nier is actually, like, I'm kind of surprised that more of the Dark Souls, like, lore guys have not switched over to Nier, especially in the wake of Automata. Yeah. Seems like uh, that particular iron would have been hot uh, and ready yeah. for them, especially with, like, weapon stories and side quests yeah. and things like that. Like, there's enough content there. I wonder it, how much the audience crosses over, though, because, like, there's there's Dark Souls players like us who, like, do care about the atmosphere and, and world building and stuff, but there's a lot of people who just care about the mechanics. And specifically, you know? like, multiplayer PvP stuff. Even just single, even just the challenge stuff, like the yeah. people who want to fight, you know, uh, Mita or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the Ring City, and they're not going to put up with Nier. You know, so like maybe there's just not enough crossover. Yeah. Like, uh, like I, I think that the the lore stuff for some Dark Souls players, the lore stuff is considered a bonus, and for Nier players, it's the point. Yes. You know, so maybe that's why they have not switched over. Yeah. You know, but it would make sense as far as games that have that like level of depth to them. Okay. So, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, Jared. Uh, and finally, a Weird Autumn from the Slack uh, says, via contact, Nier is the original Sad Dad game, and for all the more focused, better designed better design and constructed Sad Dad games to have come after it, it's the only one that I ever really felt a strong connection to. I've been thinking about why, and there's a few reasons I can point to. How much I vibe with the strangeness of it, how much more I like Kane than any comparab- comparable female lead in The Last of Us or The Witcher or what have you. But there's one thing in particular I want to point to. I just think I just like that Nier is a good dude. This is something that stands out to me uh, for Nier as a character compared to, say, Joel. Nier doesn't let his loss blind him to the fact that everybody around him has their own losses, too, or prevent him from at least trying to make life a tiny bit better. He's overzealous fighting the shades, but the game's point is that from his perspective, he's justified. Yes, there is a new game plus twist that you're the monster all along, but Nier doesn't know any of that. He's acting with incomplete information, and he has every reason to believe he's doing the right thing, even in the face of what should really be direct evidence that he's not. He's not a hardened killer, numb to the suffering of others, and he's not putting on a stoic tough guy act. He's just a genuinely nice, well-intentioned guy who will kill anything that gets between him and his daughter because he doesn't have any other better ideas. It's not a good solution. It's never a good solution. Well, what else could he do? That's the tragedy of Nier, and it's something that really works for me. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Like, I think that that is, you know, when we when people talk about the characters of Nier, like they almost never talk about Nier himself. But that is like that is the best thing about the character Nier. Yes. You know, like uh, and and they, they, they underline that like early on when he starts, he's agreeing to do all these things. And Weiss is trying to talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, we're you know, of course, we're going to go find these these kids moms. Yeah. You know, these, these you know, of course, we're going to do that. Like, yeah. why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. And, and, and that is a, a way that they use the incidental dialogue very, very well. Uh, yes. It was remarkable how often you would be walking away from accepting a quest and there would be a small little exchange that would reinforce that aspect of Nier. Um, yeah. Even if he thought what they what, what they were asking him to do was ridiculous, uh, he would still do it because, you know, he saw he saw a good in it. We um, ragged on the portion of the game where Nier was saying, I can't believe Popol is making you guys sleep outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was used way too frequently. 
uh, without really changing. <laughs> but yeah, and, and that, didn't really get resolved or yeah, yeah. Did, There's lots of problems with that, but it is it is like fundamentally decent. Yes, you know he you know, uh, he he wasn't just sticking up for his friends. He saw he saw an injustice in it. Yeah, yeah, and like and that is, that is appealing. Yeah. you know he he is he is an appealing character for sure. Mm-hmm. You know it is just like a real like testament to these characters that every defense of this game, like everybody who loves it, that is Exhibit A. Yes, and it's the one thing like if you imagine my experience with this as like an island in the <laughs> middle of the ocean, and there have just been storms for centuries, and that have eroded the outside of the island. Mm-hmm. Like there's still like a spire in the middle of it. There's like this little tower, and it's just the characters. Yes. You know, like there's one thing left mm-hmm. that that I think is interesting, and most people who love this game, like that's the thing. Yeah, you know, and it's worth treasuring because like great characters still kind of rare relatively yeah. to the number of games and characters that are out there. So that is remarkable. It's an achievement. We wouldn't take it away from anybody, and nobody can take it away from this game for sure. Yeah, you know, and and specifically great characters of this type. So like the mm-hmm. thing Autumn's bringing up is that like they're great characters. Not in, you know, going back to like the God of War example, right? Like not saying with Kratos, but like we were talking about uh, Breaking Bad, which like people's mileage will vary on that, right? But yeah, yeah. I think I think that Walter White's a really great character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not laudable. He's not likable. He's terrible. He's the villain. But I think he's really, really well made, you know, but he's not he's not nice. He's not decent. Right, right. You know, so great characters just being decent is I don't know if it's harder, but it's rarer, mm-hmm. you know, than, than it is to to have somebody you know, either degrade or somebody end up as a mixed bag, Yeah, you know, because life is full of mixed bags. Like, you know, most people, you know, it's, it's hard to get out of life being your best self for a hundred percent of the time. You know, usually you ought to make some kind of like sacrifice. That's much more realistic. And that's what fiction tends to do uh, when it doesn't do that, when it has characters kind of be the best self to their knowledge, you know, for the entirety of the experience. Like that's, that's an odd duck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks for thanks for writing in uh, with your responses. Um, it is too late for September responses unless you have really good stories, like as evidenced by this sim story. Mm-hmm. You know, you can uh, get some stuff in after the wire, <laughs> uh, but it's always the fifteenth of uh, the month. So if you have any like absolute banger stories about uh, Quest for Glory two, Callahan's Cross Time Saloon, or Gabriel Knight three, um, go ahead and hit us up at duckfeed.tv/contact. Yes. Yep, September 15th for those. You also have September until October 15th to write in about the games we are talking about in October, which we are ready to announce now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Gary, I, ha- I have this information written down, and I don't think you do, so I will uh, guide us through. Yep, I have an idea, but I don't have <laughs> it memorized. Yes. Uh, so the first game, uh, it's going to be our poll for the fall uh, we are actually going to uh, be theming this entire month around indie horror games, and for the first for the first game, we want you to pick the indie horror games that 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 we play. Mm-hmm. Now kicking it off because the uh, you know in the indie space, like horror thrives in the indie space. Mm-hmm. It's not you just know, it's YouTube like, screamers. There's some very well made stuff. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know the the way that works. Like um, if you look at uh, like like rogue roguelites. And, and like action games are huge in indie, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get these big narrative experiences, but horror is actually like, you know, I don't know. Like I, I like as many indie horror games as I like big horror games. Absolutely. You know, cause like they, they it's a genre that really, really benefits from losing bloat. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, indie stuff accounts for half of what I stream on mm-hmm. Hex Crank on the weekends, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have five entries on this poll and these entries are uh, Penumbra Overture. Yeah, the first game from uh, the people who made Amnesia. Yep. Uh, the second game. The second game on the poll is Colot. Uh, it is a game uh, from uh, about an incident in Russia. What's the name of that incident? The Dyatlov the, uh, Pass. Di- yeah, yeah, yep. Dyatlov exactly. Pass, Pass incident. Yeah. Uh, kind of an open world exploration based horror game that features the voice work of Sean Bean. So he's going to dive our way through. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> going to get Baylord. Uh, layers of fear which is kind of like a walking sim uh, horror game that I have not played, but you have played. Yes, a, and, a, a, a walking sim that uh, really plays around with and leverages uh, the horror of mutable space. So yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're here for endless hallways, guess what? So are we. Um, yeah. if, you, if you pick that on the poll. Um, <laughs> so keeping with the of fear uh, theme, uh, we're also uh, putting a cry of fear 
on the poll. This is a really meaty and crunchy Half-Life mod. Yeah. Yeah, which is really interesting. Like, we, we talked about it, uh, possibly just saving this for a Half-Life mod poll, mm -hmm. and I still think we could do that in the future because mm -hmm. there's tons of really interesting Half-Life mods out there. Yeah. Um, at some point. And then finally, Stories Untold. Uh, which I know very little about. Yeah. Um, it is a cool, uh, uh, a cool 80s themed um, indie horror game that is all about strange interfaces. It presents as kind of an anthology, uh, mm -hmm. but things, well, you know, save that for the episode. <laughs> yeah. There, there are, uh, there are, there are things and turns. Yeah. yeah. Fear goes round and round in. <laughs> Stories untold. Yep. So penumbra, colot, layers of fear, cry of fear, or stories untold. Um, super excited about all of those. Uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash duckvtv to vote in that. Don't know off the top of my head when the poll closes, but you should have some time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm really excited because I want to play all of those very badly. Me too. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, what comes next? After that, we are doing a special episode that is a collection of, um, well, really just kind of micro horror games uh, yeah. going to be headlined by some titles by Kitty Horror Show, one of my favorite yes. creators in the indie horror space. Yes. Um, you know, I, I covered um, Anatomy. We did that in uh, Check It Out Comrade. Mm -hmm. One of the late Check It Out Comrade games. That's my main exposure. I've played a couple of the other ones, but that's the meatiest Kitty Horror sh Show game I've played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are extremely interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we haven't decided which other one we're going to do. But in addition to Kitty Horror Show, we're also thinking about doing Daddy's Long, Long Legs, a horror yes. text adventure. Yep. By uh, Michael Lutz, mm -hmm. who, who is a Twitter guy. And that is kind of a famous uh, short fiction horror game. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people who are listening to this have probably played it. If not, you should go play it. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah. That got a lot of traction when it came out yeah. uh, for good reason. Yeah. Um, and then the other one we're looking at, uh, if, if this lineup changes, we'll let you know. But the other one we're looking at is I'm Scared. Yes. Yep. So just a very, very short, so kind of an anthology episode Yeah. Uh, of the show. Uh, and then finally, to close out the month, to give us a little bit of room from Adventure Game uh, Month, is we're doing a Night in the Woods. Yeah. Uh, you may be thinking, wait a minute, that game with the goofy illustrations that's really stylish it's a platformer what are you talking about that's not horror uh it is <laughs> it's like it is an explicitly a lovecraftian horror game that like mixes lovecraftian horror with uh rust belt yeah you know like grassroots economics <laughs> stuff uh so i am that's pretty in my wheelhouse yeah like i would say like the uh anti-capitalist uh, cosmic horror yep. genre, which doesn't come up very often, but, um, that that's, you know, one, one tons of awards. Mm -hmm. Like when, when that came out, that is like one of the biggest, uh, indie games of last year, uh, and widely considered to be one of the best like written games, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. And it's nice and spooky. Um, what would be a good idea, Cole is, uh, and where this is live. And I think we can probably is to add to that, like, a that anthology thing, do lost constellation. Which is the uh, trailer I... prequel thing for Night in the Woods. Oh, yeah. That's like, it's like, it's like a half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. But it was like the teaser thing they put out for it. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, um, I, I, I am not opposed. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's, we should throw that in there. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it, it adds to the story. Like, I think it is explicitly a spooky thing as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's October. So uh, we're super excited about that. We actually have November and December planned as well. Um, mm -hmm. So after this, uh, you know, so some, some some pretty troublesome stuff, particularly in August in terms of, uh, you know, bad play, we are pulling up and we've got stuff that we are uh, just kind of, mm, I don't know, excited about without qualification. Yep. And I'm, I am loving September so far. Yes. As well. It just feels very good to be back in the, the warm comforting embrace of adventure games yeah yeah um so thanks everybody for for listening um we will uh, see you guys next week with our episode on quest for glory 2 um if you like this show the best thing you can do is go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kick us a few bucks um every little bit counts and you get a lot of cool stuff for doing so yeah um other than that spread the word come back next week and um yeah, what, what else? What, what don't we talk Ratings, about? Ratings, reviews. Ratings oh, what reviews. What don't we talk about? Store? 
Yeah, slash store has a bunch of old episodes of not so much this show, but but some things with this show mm-hmm. in them, uh, mostly uh, Abject Suffering, but premium episodes. Um, Adaptation Decay is really good, and I don't see any reason why people who listen to this show wouldn't like it. Yeah, uh, we've covered uh, movies and properties related to uh, games we have played for WAF on there. So mm-hmm. like uh, the Silent Hill movie or uh, Resident Man- Evil. Yeah, the Maniac Doom. Mansion television show. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of stuff we've done for the show. Yeah. So, you, th- you know, I definitely think that you would like that. Yeah. Um, uh, that is at duckfeed.tv slash store. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, you know, telling your friends about it mm-hmm. uh, is very, very useful. Yeah. So we do mention that. That's not an obscure thing that we don't mention that often. <laughs> but, uh, oh, well, you listen to other shows in the network. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you listen to this show only, why not check out some other stuff? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary, you do a show with Will Hughes called Everything to Guppy. Yeah, the AV Club's Will Hughes, mm-hmm. um, the uh, professional media reporter <laughs> and professional podcaster get together. Sparks fly, baby. <laughs> um, it's the dumbest show on the network. Uh, it used to be Monster My Podcast. <laughs> and there was a moment during our last recording session where, because uh, every every time that show ends is somebody saying good night, like they're pulling a ripcord on a parachute. <laughs> uh, and it's like the safe word. And he was and Will told me, he's like, you know, when you and Cole are doing Monster in My Podcast, like you, sometimes you spend like a couple of minutes talking about how you don't have a way to end it. You, guys just, you just use one of these words. I was like, well, yeah, but that was that was back in the day when that was the stupidest show we did on the network. Because <laughs> uh, it is by far the dumbest fucking thing that we do. <laughs> so the, uh, if if you if that sounds appealing to you, uh, the most recent batch of recordings we had w- uh, involved a new uh, corner segment we've had a couple corners uh-huh. where we, we bring up something and will exposed me to a uh, a contemporary christian artist who i had never heard of before <laughs> and uh, i'm not totally sure it works but we do it for four episodes so cool. <laughs> check that shit out <laughs> yeah that's what i got yeah um that <clears throat> um yeah and uh, if, if you're not listening to it i hear i understand that you are in a good zone in radio free midworld right now yes we are it on a- book five yeah Book five. Yeah. If you've read, if you read those books, otherwise it might not be a good place to start, but you can always go back to episode one. Yeah. Those episodes aren't going anywhere. Do you, uh, do you get people who are experiencing those books vicariously through you or do you, or people, most people listening, have they read them? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just people who, uh, who, who do not have the, uh, who do not have the time to read them, uh, and do not want to spend the money or the, you know, the, the, the tens of hours, uh, listening to the audiobooks. So they, yeah. they, they, they come and, uh, get it vicariously. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. About the dark tower books and related Stephen King stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Check that out. Um, yeah. So that's probably about it. Think so. Um, until next time. Uh, good night. We we end the show with just good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>